This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System Live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. And Scott, I'm going to save the people from another uh, poor Will Smith, Chris Rock reference and just get right to the basketball. I know they've heard enough of that, about that. They need to hear more about the NBA. How you doing, my friend? I, I'm doing well, Colin. It feels like it's been a couple of weeks since we did this. So I feel like, one, we have a lot to catch up on. And two, the, the playing tournament and the playoffs are around the corner. Um, and this is, you know, the best part of the NBA season. So it's a lots of excitement. How are you doing? I can't complain. I, I'm ready for the playoffs. I, I am uh, slightly intrigued by uh, the March Madness Final Four uh, on both men's and women's tournament that's coming up this weekend. Um, I am intrigued by that. But the playoffs, the ultimate tournament, where 20 teams have a shot at one NBA championship is coming up. And I can't wait. We're like the season has flown by. It really has. Like it feels like we just started and uh, you know, a week ago we had the you know the all 75 team and all the hoopla around that and everybody going crazy about the you know the, the Christmas Day games that were all for naught because a lot of people weren't playing in the games and we had all-star weekend and now here we are. It's the playoffs already and it, it's uh you know really flying, flying by. Uh on this episode, we are going to talk about the madness that is the Eastern Conference and maybe a little bit of the Western Conference as well. Uh, we'll also discuss Jokic and Embiid, who will be on all NBA first team. I have thoughts about that. So does Scott. But first, we got to start with the Phoenix Suns, who will be on national TV. Scott on Wednesday, they play the uh, Golden State Warriors. Who knows who will be in the lineup for the Warriors when the Suns play them on Wednesday night? Uh, but let's focus on the Suns a little bit because this is the best team in the NBA right now, right? Like this is a team that's that's going to win. Uh, more than 65 games. They're going to have a great season. Um, you know, they have a chance at, at even, you know, having a double digit lead over second place in the Western Conference, who are the Memphis Grizzlies right now. They have been the best team start to finish in the NBA. And a lot of people will pick them to win the NBA championship. But it feels like. It feels like they don't have anyone in the MVP candidate, or, you know, any MVP discussion right now. It feels like you hear a lot about Jokic, you hear a lot about Embiid, you hear some about Giannis, uh, even John Morant, some other teams. But it doesn't feel like the Suns, who are the best team in the league, have a single person. Should that be the case? Honestly, I think for me, the more interesting discussion for them is all NBA um, specifically does Booker deserve to be all NBA first team. I think it's safe to assume he's going to make one of the teams. And where does Chris Paul end up? Because really for the first until it feels like until Chris Paul had that injury, which was what 15, 20 games ago, it felt like he was kind of the leading MVP candidate on the Suns. Um, I, I remember I had him fifth at one point in my MVP ballot. Um, I want to say when I did it in like February or something like that. And really since then, Devin Booker has just gone absolutely berserk. And, we, we, you know, that, that's been a conversation lately of should Devin Booker um, be the MVP of the league this season? Because I, I think it's something like players to average 25, 5, and 5 on the best team in the NBA um, historically has always won the MVP, um, if I remember that correctly. Um, and there's no denying that Devin Booker is having an outstanding season. I Just for me, like... Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis have been the best players from start of the season to right now. Um, and I, I just have a really hard time 
you know, finding someone else to kind of cr crack that top three. Um, I, I think it's a very interesting debate about like who deserves to be fourth and fifth on the ballot, for example, because we've seen John Morant in and out of this conversation, Demata Rosen, um, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic. Like it's, it's a testament to how much talent there is in the NBA right now. Um, but also speaks to, you know, why this Suns team is so good. Like they have the coach of the year candidate. They have two all-stars, two all-NBA, um, two fringe MVP candidates in Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Um, they, they just have a ton of depth um, th defensively too. They're, they're just monsters. I mean, like that 76ers game the other day when they played against James Harden and Joel Embiid. Like, James Harden had a really hard time attacking their defense because it's like Mikel Bridges, who's a defensive player of the year candidate, picks him up. And then they switch Jay Crowder onto him, who can defend pretty much anyone. Devin Booker um, is a much improved defender. So even he even picked him up on some switches and gave him a tough time. And like, you know, the worst option may be DeAndre Ayton switching onto him, who's one of the best switch bigs in the league. Like, there's just very few holes in this team on both ends of the court. Um, but in, in terms of MVP, I, 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 it's, there's, a, there's a clear top three for me. So Devin Booker, when Chris Paul went out, by the way, uh, he played – that was 15 games Chris Paul was out with the injury since the All-Star break. Booker missed four of those games, so he played in 11 of them. He was 28 points, seven assists, uh, five rebounds, shooting 52% from the field, 40% from three, uh, and almost 90% from the foul line in those 11 games. Uh, I expected him to take the leap and join the conversation and he did that. Like the numbers say that he did that. Mm -hmm. It's just that you know Joel Embiid and Giannis uh, and 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 you know um, uh, Nikola Jokic, they just been doing it longer. That's it. Like any other season, you have this explosion towards the back end of the year without the best player on the team. Normally, you get a, at least a little bit of buzz. It just feels like you know we expect this out of Booker, which isn't regular. Like him going twenty eight seven and five. Uh, almost 50, 40, 90, that's not regular activity um, from anybody, right? But we just kind of expect it from Devin Booker now, which maybe is us saying that, you know what, he is a, a guy that uh, we shouldn't be shocked when he, have these, when he has these big performances almost. Like it's almost like a, by ignoring it, we're, we're giving him the credit for being a great player. Exactly. And that's why I think the, the old NBA discussion is, is more interesting to me because like, Getting one of those two guard spots for NBA first team, I mean, it's, it's probably between John Morant, Luka Doncic, and Steph Curry, um, and Devin Booker, of course. And like, I mean, that's 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 four of the best players in the league. Um, so if he can crack that first team, which I think is a real discussion and a real possibility at this point, uh, I, I think that's kind of more of a testament to the season that he's had rather than trying to get him into the MVP discussion because it is just... Again, like these guys have just dominated, I feel like, from start to finish. And Devin Book has been great since the start of the season, but it's been, really been this last, to your point, like 10, 15 games that it, it feels like he's elevated to a level where we're talking about him as, as an MVP candidate. Um, and, and I just think that's a little too, too little too late, um, to be honest. So let's get to the all NBA, all NBA team um, debate right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Here, Here is where most people start the debate, is what you do with Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. And I'll tell you right now, Scott, I know that Jokic and Embiid are both eligible to play either center or forward, giving way for most people to be able to pick them on All-NBA first team. And they've had seasons deserving of it. But guess what? If you believe that Joel Embiid is the best center in the NBA, then you should pick Joel Embiid at center, and that's it. And Nikola Jokic sits second. If you believe that Nikola Jokic is the best center in the NBA, you pick him for first team and you put Joel Embiid second. 
All of this stuff where people are going out of their way to create rules where you don't have to choose between the two of them, stop it. Like these are the rules that are in place. Now, if you want to, uh, you know, make the argument that we should get rid of just the positions, cool. I can listen to that argument all day long, and I, and I might even agree with you. But this is what's in place right now. This is the system that we have in place right now. Two guards, two forwards, and a center. Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic do not play forward. They are centers. You have to pick one of the two. Stop making excuses for people who don't want to make hard decisions. This is what it's all about. We have a great league with more than 15 players worthy of being an all-NBA, uh, you know, on the all-NBA team. You know, so so pick one. You're just going to have to make hard decisions. Whoever plays 16 is this year is going to be a really good player. Doesn't mean that he isn't deserving. Just means that there's only 15 spots. So for me, Nikola Jokic is first team All-NBA center right now this season. Joel Embiid is second. I don't want to see anyone putting him as a forward. I think that's an absolute cop-out. Well, this is very fun because I'm on the exact same page as you. And I know some people will say, you know, we just because we used to do it this way doesn't mean we have to anymore. But I feel like until they actually, unless they change the ballot to be positionless, I just have a really hard t- time putting someone who doesn't play that position in that spot. Um, and by the way, we've seen this before. Bill Russell won five MVPs in his NBA career, but he only made three All-NBA first teams. Will Chamber- Chamberlain made All-NBA first team over him a couple times in his MVP seasons. Um, I-, I really do think, based on the way that the game is played right now, like it should change. We, we should be doing positionless. And by the way, if, if Jokic is going to be eligible at two positions, I, I really do think it should be guard and not forward because he, he plays more guard than he does forward on that team. Um, with his passing, the way he brings up the court, the ball up the court, even plays like some pick and roll. Like they, they have a set where Aaron Gordon sets a, uh, sets a screen, rolls to the basket, gets a back screen, and they get him on an alley-oop, it feels like, once every two or three games. Um, I, I do think there's more of a case to be made that Jokic should be guard eligible. But I, I'm just on the same page as you here. And I think the other part for me is that if you move Jokic or Embiid up to forward, I, f- I feel like that takes away a spot for someone who is more deserving at guard or forward, um, probably on the third team. It basically comes down to like, do you think Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert are more deserving of an All-NBA team? Or like Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, or even like a Pascal Siakam? Um, so for me, I just think when I take all into that account, and like you, I'm, I'm a bit more of a traditionalist in this kind of sense. Um, until they change that, I, I just have a really hard time making one of them a forward when they play zero minutes there um, yeah. since the start of the season. Yeah, th- those are the rules. Let's stick to them until they change them. Period. Let's not make a caveat for these guys to be for for voters to have an easier time to figure out who should be All NBA First Team. All right, uh, who's who's your favorite? Let's round out the rest of the team here. I I'm going forward position for All NBA First Team. I already have Jokic at my center. I mean Giannis. I mean that he you could just put him in you know in pen every year from here on out until he falls off, right? Like this guy is going to be All NBA First Team. He's one of the best two ways players in the NBA, if not the best two way player in the NBA. In my opinion, he's still pound for pound the best NBA player. Period. Um, now there is competition. There are people nipping at his heels, but he is the best player in the NBA today until he's dethroned. Uh, so that's my first forward spot. My second forward spot. This is where I had a little bit more uh, of a tough time figuring this out. But I'm going to give it to Jason Tatum, Scott. I'm going to give Jason Tatum, All-NBA first team, what he's done with this team. Um, You know, the the Celtics are surging. We we talked about the last pod. They are really right there. I mean, they're a game out of first place after the loss uh, against uh, Toronto on Monday. But this is a team that... Um, you know, in their last 10 games of 1-8, and they, I think that was only like their third or fourth loss since the All-Star break or something crazy like that. And 
the best defensive team in the league. He's he's one of the best offensive players in the league. I think he deserves to be there if if the Celtics finish, um, you know, either first or second in the Eastern Conference. I do think this debate opens up to other players if the Celtics are not one of the first two seeds. But right now, even though they're in fourth at the time of recording, I still have Jason Tatum on my All NBA first team at this, the other forward spot. Yeah. See, for me right now, I feel like I feel like I know the 10 players that I think deserve to be on the four, the first and second team, but I still think there's like a little bit of movement. So for me, like you, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a lock for me. Put that in pen. He deserves one of those forward spots. For the second forward spot for me, it did come down to Jason Tatum and LeBron. LeBron is a little bit of a weird case because the Lakers have been so bad and so disappointing this season, but he's been unbelievable. And, and not even from the perspective of like, he is doing this at age, what, 35, 36, um, and no one's done this before. Like, he's just been incredible, flat out, averaging 30.1 points per game. Um, he's leading the league in scoring right now. He's had two 50-point games over the last month. Um, it feels like the only reason the Lakers are in some of these games is because of him. And, and I, I think he's going to – I ultimately think he's going to make one of the first or second team. I just don't know if I'd have him um, ahead or behind a Tatum at this point. LeBron's been incredible. I do feel like there's been a little bit of stat padding for him lately. Um, you know, we've done it with other players, and it feels like LeBron's getting a pass. I'm not going to give him the pass. I, you know, there's a player on his team that you know always gets called out for that, and that's Russell Westbrook. And whether you you agree or disagree, that's fine. But that always is, you know, the the this the, the smoke signal goes out, and people always attack Westbrook for the stat padding. LeBron has been doing that for the last month. He has no interest in playing any defense, none. And what is that? His numbers, yes, while they are impressive, they're empty Incredible. calories they're, oh, they're empty on. calories they're, they're empty calories i'm not giving lebron a pass because you know because he's one of the greatest players that we've ever seen i'm sorry he does not deserve to be all nba first team jason tatum's numbers on both ends of the floor are impacting winning the lebron james numbers are great for you know his age everything about it they're on par for some of his great seasons i get all that but they're also empty calories. If they're not contributing to winning, I'm sorry, I cannot put him on my All-NBA first team. Does he All-NBA? Sure. If you want to make the argument second, third, maybe I'll listen to it. But I cannot put him above Jason Tatum and give him that right to be one of the best forwards in the NBA for this season when I've watched him take possession after possession after possession off defensively and watch him stat pad. I, I can't do that, Scott. I can't. No, look, it, it's fair, and I totally get the argument, and it is close for me. Um, my pushback on that was would be that Jason Tatum got off to a pretty slow start this season. Like the first 30-plus games, um, he was shooting just over 40% from the field, um, about 33% from three, and the Celtics were about 500 kind of going into the new year, and it's it's been over the last couple of months that they've taken off. So for me, that's kind of like that balance, right? It's like sure. Tatum, absolutely the way that he's played over the last couple of months. I mean, he, he's going to be first or second team for me. Um, it's just a matter of splitting hairs and kind of do I think LeBron is more deserving of first team or Jason Tatum. Um, do, do you think LeBron deserves all NBA? I just want to be uh, understand. Uh, that. I do. I do. I, I, okay. and we'll get to him in a second. I just don't think he, I, I, I would not put him on my all NBA first team. He, he's not even in the conversation for the four that will replace Jason Tatum. Should I take Jason Tatum out of all NBA first team? Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about the guards. All right, the guards mm -hmm. uh, in the backcourt: John Morant to me, lock lock him in at All NBA uh, first team at the guard position. What he's done for the Grizzlies, and I know the record. Yes, they've won games when he hasn't played. But the bottom line is, this team goes the way that John Morant leads them. You know, he he has been their go-to player. 
and if not for the amount of games that he's lost due to injury, I think that this team might be, you know, he might be more in the MVP conversation than he already is. So he has the this, the, the one spot already locked in as Giannis does. Uh, and the second guard spot, I'm going to go with, with Devin Booker. I do think that Devin Booker deserves the, the, the second um, guard spot on my first team. Um, you know, best team, best player consistently throughout the season i know chris paul is probably uh, you could split hairs there between those two guys but he missed too many too many games in a crucial part of the season right like it wasn't like the, the memphis grizzlies weren't right there. the memphis grizzlies are playing great basketball since the all-star break and they mm-hmm. cannot get within striking distance of the phoenix suns because they kept winning games phoenix that is so uh, you have to give credit where it's due and i think devin booker has kept this team afloat uh with chris paul being out i think devin booker's taking that next step uh and, and and entered this into this realm where the game slowed down for him and the other side of this, Scott, which I know we've actually talked about this off air, he's been better defensively. And I don't think he really yeah. gets the shine that he deserves on that end of the floor because, you know, Bridges is there and you have Crowder and Chris Paul is such a great defender. And we, we talked about how how good of a switcher, uh, you know, the big uh, Aiton is. But Devin Booker is no slouch defensively, and that has helped Phoenix really get over the hump to become a championship contender. And I think he's right there as one of the great two-way players we have in the league now where Devin Booker deserves to have that credit uh, as a guy that he's not going to be an all-defensive team. I'm not saying that, but he's not a slouch defensively. You cannot hunt him. Uh, And he might be one of those guys that says, you know what, Monty Williams, you know, this guy's cooking. Maybe I can try and stop him. You know, if if, if Bridges is not on the floor or Bridges is not there, maybe let me get a couple possessions guarding him because he's that type of competitor. So I, I do have Devin Booker as my second guard position. John Morant, Devin Booker. Agreed on Booker um, defensively. As I said at the top, like his growth defensively, welcoming those assignments, um, playing harder than he used to and everything like that is a big reason why the Suns just have like no holes defensively. Um, There's just no way to attack that team. Um, And and that's a huge part. For me right now, I I do have Devin Booker in one of those spots. The second spot is really tough. Um, I I think Steph Curry, I think Luka Doncic, and I think John Moran are the leading candidates here. Um, Steph is a really interesting one because he's having a down year by his standards, but by anyone else's standards, he's still having like a fantastic season. And those numbers don't even account for, you know, the the stuff that he does on the court that doesn't show up on a box score. Um, his gravity has been talked about, um, at length over the last few seasons, but the amount of times like guys get wide open on backdoor cuts because he's involved in a screen, all these kind of things. Um, I, 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 there's just not many players who impact the game offensively in particular, as much as he does, even in down season. So I think he legitimately deserves all NBA first team consideration. I, like you, I feel like I lean a little bit more towards John Moran right now. Um, but maybe if I, I kind of dug deeper into the numbers, um, kind of looked at the season as a whole, I might feel differently. But I, it's it's between those four players, and I think I, I might give the edge to John Moran um, and Devin Booker right now. Let's go to our second team. Uh, we could probably make this a little quicker because second team feels a lot easier than the first team. Uh, we already discussed the center position, so you already know that I have Joel Embiid here. At, mm-hmm. at the center position for my All NBA second team, uh, at the forward spot, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Demar Derozan. I, I do think that uh, he's fallen off a slight bit, um, and that's not just him. That, that's the entire team. They've been losing games that um, we probably expected them to win. They haven't been able to beat the the best teams in the NBA, and that's the reason why they sit fifth rather than first uh, at the time of recording right now. Uh, and that slippage is kind of goes in line with. 
with DeMar, right? Like he, he's had seasons in the past, whether it be with the Spurs and especially with the Raptors, where he's come out the gates, you know, firing on all cylinders. But as the season's gone along, and especially in the postseason, we haven't been able to see him rise to the occasion. And that's my fear with the Bulls again. Uh, I know this is a, a regular season award, but that's my fear with the Bulls again in the postseason is that if DeMar DeRozan is your best player, there is a limit there. Um, so I, I do have him in an All-NBA second team. It's not a bad, you know, uh, a bad place to be if you're if you're, if you're an NBA player, uh, but he does land on my second team. And then my second forward spot, this is where the debate comes in. I think it's Kevin Durant or LeBron James here. And uh, right now I'm going to give it – to LeBron James, um, even though I said all that stuff about him not being able to be on the first team, I, names that I tossed up here for the second spot, uh, I already mentioned Kevin Durant. I also think that Jimmy Butler is in consideration there, but they just uh, he hasn't played enough games, right? Like he uh, and the game, some of the games that he's played in, like he's been an afterthought. And I, I, I don't. Mm. There's games where Jimmy Butler will go. Um, and, and this is a credit to Jimmy Butler and, and sort of that heat system, but there's games where Jimmy Butler will play and, and, and maybe have eight points. You know, he's not he's not out there. He's not out there with the killer instinct. The team might still win, and that's more important to him than, uh, you know, going for 30 or something like that. But I, I you know, I, I just see him, you know, go in and out sometimes. There's a, I remember distinctly a game where they blew out Chicago. I think he had like, you know, 13 points, and it felt like he wasn't even a part of it. And then... Uh, you know, the, the, the blowout uh, loss to Brooklyn where Kyrie and KD went there and, and just destroyed them. You know, Butler's on the floor and, and he, you expect him to be in the class of one of those top, those echelon players like KD and Kyrie. And you expect to see Jimmy Butler rise to the occasion. He was an, he was an afterthought in that game. He was nowhere to be found. Um, so I do have a struggle to put him on my All-NBA second team. You can't disappear when your team needs you in big games. And I, I, I can't put Jimmy Butler there. So. I think the forward spot is actually quite thin, honestly. Um, and 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 there's going to be someone that gets it, especially if these voters go out there and put, um, you know, Embiid and, and and Giannis on on the first, or sorry, Embiid and Jokic on mm-hmm. the first team. There, there's going to be a forward that gets it on that third team that you're going to scratch your head 20 years from now and be why why is this guy on the team? Yeah, for me, Kevin Durant was a no-brainer here. Um, he's he's going to appear in about 50 games this season. But he's averaging just under under a shade of 30 points per game. Um, he would be in the scoring race um, had if he was eligible. He's averaging 6.1 assists per game. It's one of the better passing seasons of his career. Ultimately, he's he's arguably if you if one game right, um, he he's probably the guy that you're taking to win that one. Uh, we saw what he did in the playoffs last year. He's had some monster games this season. The the games play does factor more into the MVP conversation, I think, than like all NBA teams. Um, so for me, I, it was so a pretty wait a easy second. Decision. What's your what's your threshold then? If he had played forty games, you still would have had him all NBA second team doing this. Like, where do you stop? Thirty games? Well, where do you so, stop? Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, last season I think he played thirty five games. I want to say, and I think that's not enough. He, no, it's not enough. Um, and he didn't make all NBA last season, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he played thirty five games last season. Um, I, I think there was like kind of a conversation for him to potentially make all NBA third team. Keeping in mind, by the way, it was seventy two games last season, not not eighty two. Um, but for me, if you appear in less than half of the season, I think it's kind of a no-go. Um, in an 82-game season, if you play in, in 50 games plus, I think you have a case. Um, that That's probably where I'd, I'd cut off at. All right. Just wanted to know what the cutoff was for you. So who's the second spot? KD and um, either Either Jason Tatum or LeBron James, whichever one doesn't make okay. all-NBA first team. 
Okay. Uh, guard is easy for me, Steph and, and Luca. I think you yep. probably have those two guys in the back, so we could skip to the third team. Uh, third team center, I have I have Cat. Um, Luca Bear has been great, uh, but I, I do think that Cat has been incredible this season. And it really sucks that the Timberwolves aren't getting a little more more attention because they have been, uh, you know. Well, granted, the bar's low in Minnesota. We know this, but th- they have been a, a lot better and at least more exciting to watch. Like I enjoy watching their games on Lee Pass now, um, whereas in years past, I, I was like, "This talent is is there." You have Cat, you have you know, you know they had D'Angelo Russell at the time, um, and and it was just like, why aren't they winning more games? But this season, it feels like they're learning how to win. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs. They're going to be one and done. But it, it feels like they're on the right path, right? So I, I do think the Cat deserves that. Uh, recognition. Um, the, the forward spots, again, it's going to be a toss-up between the, the players that I mentioned. Uh, and then in the backcourt, this is where I have Chris Paul. Um, I have him on my All-NBA third team as a guard. Uh, and, and the second guard spot um, will go to James Harden. Uh, I know that Harden has been... Wow. Uh, yeah. I know that Harden has been uh, a lightning rod for controversy. I know what he did to get out of Brooklyn. I know all that. But the bottom line is you can't tell me that he hasn't been one of the best 15 players when he's ready to go. So... Um, I don't. I don't know who else I would would put over. I am shocked by that. Um, I remember last season having a debate with you about uh, MVP and whether or not he deserved it, and you were pretty critical of him. So this is obviously a different discussion. All NBA. I, I'm just kind of surprised that he made he made the cut for you. Um, for me, Cat at center. It's between him and Gobert. I do think there's a little bit of kind of voter fatigue with Gobert. By the way, like yes, he has some flaws on both ends of the court. He still sure. might. He's he's still arguably the best anchor in the league today arguably the best defender in the league today and you look at what the jazz look like when he's not on the court and i think that speaks volumes to how valuable he is but i i do have cat over him right now for that center spot at forward um i have demar Derozan. you spoke about him the other forward spot came down to two players for me uh jimmy butler you mentioned and pascal siakam who i think i would actually have over jimmy butler right now he got off to a, a little bit of a slow start this season coming off of off-season shoulder surgery but he's, I mean, there aren't that many players who've been playing better basketball than him over really the last two, two and a half months. Um, and he's playing his best basketball the season down this final stretch. And really what he has done, I mean, Fred Van Vliet was an all-star this season. He, he's kind of tailed off a little bit since having this knee injury. Uh, but he's been fantastic this season. Scotty Barnes might be the rookie of the year. If not, he's going to be probably second or third on that ballot. Um, one of the better rookies we've seen in a really long time. Super unique. But what Siakam has done in leading this Raptors team that is now sixth in the Eastern Conference standings and has a chance at finishing fifth. And I I don't think they're going to get top four because they're three and a half games behind the, the group of teams there. But for the Raptors to who entered this season as one of the kind of, I guess, most confusing teams in the league, not knowing what their ceiling would be, to, to get a top six seed and potentially top five, I mean, that, that that's an incredible accomplishment. Um, so I, I think Siakam absolutely deserves consideration for one of these spots, and I think I probably would have him in there right now. Um, for the two guard spots, Chris Paul, easy one for me as well. The other guard spot that I would have over James Harden, it came down to two players as well. Um, it was Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young, and mm. it's been a really weird season for the Hawks. I don't think Trey Young is to blame there. Um, the last time I checked, I think he's leading the league. Um, oh, he's just now he's just behind Trey Young in total points scored this season. Sorry, Trey Young is just behind Demar Derozan in total points scored this season, and he leads the league in assists, um, which is a pretty remarkable accomplishment. It's it's really hard here that that there are a group of players. I think Donovan Mitchell has had an underrated season as well. Um, he continues to kind of 
make make improvements along the margins that just make him a more complete player and it the fact that the Jazz have the best offensive rating in the league by a mile, um, he is the leader of that team on that end of the court. I, I just think what Trey Young does as a scorer, what he does as a passer, offensively, yes, defensively, he's he's not very good. Um, but I, I just think he's had kind of like an All NBA season. The, the, I, I didn't think about Trey Young at all, honestly. Not even I, really. I, like, I, I just did not. Um, I understand that he's having a great season, and maybe things will, you know, change for me if I see him in a playing tournament and he's able to get out, you know, the tenth seed and, and somehow into that eighth spot uh, and, and into the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Maybe that may change the way that I saw season has gone. But again, it, it comes back to a little bit of the LeBron argument uh, with Trey Young, whereas. Um, you know, the numbers are great, but what are you doing to impact winning? You know, coming off the season that you had a year ago, um, you know, that's a great all-star numbers, but to say that you were one of the best 15 players uh, in the league this season um, consistently is tough for me to do. And I know that, you know, people might push back and say, oh, well, you have James Harden there. Um, I just feel like James Harden is impacting winning, you know. Um, he, he did that, uh, you know, on, while he's on the floor anyway. Um, that he did his best that he could. The only other player I really thought about, um, well, the two uh, at the guard spot was Donovan Mitchell. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I have Donovan Mitchell fatigue um, or voter fatigue and putting him. He's in been really good this and season. I, can, I could re- re- revisit that one um, before we lock in our votes on the, on the site. But uh, so it's Donovan Mitchell, and I had Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, if he had played oh, all come season. On. No, I'm saying if he had played all season, oh, okay, um, okay, it, he he would be a, he would almost be a lock for me. Um, but like, but obviously with the situation kind of eliminates him. But his number, you talk about great numbers. Numbers are outrageous. <laughs> he's he's just he is just oh man, Kyrie Irving is just one of the uh, the way that he's turned his his sort of and he's always been decently efficient, you know, throughout his career. But like he's uber efficient now at a high volume. Like he's shooting threes, almost eight a game, shooting forty two percent from three point range. Like it's insane how how good he is. Um, it just sucks that you know he wasn't available for the entire year. Um, so maybe maybe he turns things around in, in the po- in the postseason now. That he's able to play full time and uh, get the the Nets a ring. Uh, they'll be a dangerous team for sure. So there's our all NBA takes. Um, is there any any anything else that you wanted to mention before we move on here? No, I mean Kyrie Irving was Kyrie Irving was All NBA third team last season, if I remember correctly. He averaged like twenty-seven points, shooting fifty, forty, ninety. He's basically doing the exact same thing this season. Not quite as efficient, but like basically in the same ballpark. Um, some of the scoring outbursts he's had lately are absolutely absurd. But yeah, I mean he's played twenty-two games. You know, we we just talked about Kevin Durant and what the cutoff is for him to kind of make All NBA, and I said about fifty games probably off the top of my head. Um, Kyrie just flat out hasn't appeared enough. But he, I mean, he's. <laughs> He's one of the most fun players uh, to watch, you know, on a night-to-night basis. One of the greatest scorers, individual scores we've seen um, ever. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll the Nets. We talked about them a, a few weeks ago. The Nets and how confusing they are. I mean, they're going to have to to win a game or two in the playing tournament just to make the playoffs. But I mean, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving being available, no team's going to want to play them. Um, and then Ben Simmons is obviously still a, a big question mark for them. Yeah, Kyrie, he hasn't even he, he won't even qualify for some of the. Uh some of the you know uh stats um to be on the, the leaderboard for some of the stats because he hasn't played enough games there so uh he, he's not all nba but just want to acknowledge the season uh speaking of the nets and kyrie irving right now at the time of recording they're sitting in eighth spot they're a game and a half or sorry half a game in front of the charlotte hornets the hornets have one extra loss in the loss column um and the 
East is a mess. By the time you're hearing this, whenever you hear this, if you're not listening to it live across the NBA Global Networks, there might be a completely different version of what we're about to read to you. First place, Miami Heat. Uh, they've been, you know, consistently at or around there. Then we have Philly, Boston, sorry, Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, Chicago. The Raptors have gotten out of the play-in tournament and with an opportunity to continue to rise. Like they could, they could go even higher. Right now, they are tied with the Chicago Bulls for uh, record-wise. Uh, the Bulls hold the tiebreaker, and they are a game ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers, who also hold the tiebreaker over the Raptors. And then we have the Nets. Hornets and Hawks after that. Um, if the playoffs started today, we would have Bucks, Raptors, Boston, Chicago, uh, and Philly, Cleveland, and then Miami, Brooklyn. What a playoffs that would be uh, if things you know were to stay the same. Do you think that the Heat are going to hold on here to, to, to finish first in the Eastern Conference? <sighs> It's a tough question. They've had a bit of a rough stretch lately. I mean, everything, a lot was made of that um, heated argument that Jimmy Butler got in with Udonis Haslam and Eric Spolstra. That that was very weird. Um, they kind of played it off post-game as, you know, this happens all the time, move on. Um, that, that was a little weird. I, I also just kind of don't really know what to make of the Heat in general. Like, they've been fantastic this season, but they've had a ton of injuries. Um, defensively, I know exactly. I think I know exactly who they are, and they're going to make it difficult for anyone. But offensively, I have still some questions. So, I mean, it, it's just so close right now. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, these top four teams kind of, there's there's two important games coming up. I mean, as recording, the Sixers and the Bucks play tonight. I think the Heat and Celtics might play on Wednesday. Um, so, like, how those games go could determine who gets the number one seed. But, I mean, that, that number one seed is, is going to be valuable because if it is a matter of, you know, potentially playing the Cavaliers, the Hornets, or the Hawks, um, I mean, the Cavs have been a great story this season. Unfortunately for them, Evan Mobley's injured right now. He hurt his ankle the last game, and Jared Allen is out. So without those two guys, it's going to be so hard for them to win a, f- a first-round um, series. And then, obviously, the Hornets and the Hawks, can make some noise, but I think they're both flawed teams and they're highly unlikely to have a first-round upset. Because um, if you finish two or below, you're, you're playing kind of the Nets, the Raptors, the Bulls. Um, these teams that have stars on them um, have, have had some good stretches this season. So I, I, I don't know. I think the Sixers have a very good shot. Um, that game against the Bucks tonight could determine a lot of that. Um, I, I kind of feel like the winner of that game might might be the number one seed, the Sixers or the Bucks. I'm out on the Heat. You're out on. I'm them. out on the heat. I'm out on the heat. Um, Which I, is saying something because you've been higher than I, I feel like most on them the last uh, two or three seasons. I, definitely, I've usually I've usually been high on the heat, but I, I I go back to on this podcast. I think I said it uh, a while a while ago, and this is pre um, you know what we know of the Clippers now. But if you remember, Scott, it was two or three years ago. Um, when Markeith Morris and uh, or Marcus Morris rather, and uh, maybe it's Montrez Harrell got into a, a little skirmish on a Saturday. Harrell called it out in the media, and they lost to the Grizzlies and like uh, they got blown out. It was like a hundred to nothing. Uh, and then they followed that up by a loss to the Knicks. And I came on the show and I said right there and then that wasn't it for me. That w- they weren't going to be a championship team. And I think you and Micah Adams killed me for it. Um, shout out to Mike Adams, but I, I, I felt that anytime you have some of these, um, you know, cracks in public and the way you respond afterwards, if it's with a loss, then I'm out on you. 
And the Miami Heat, you mentioned, you referenced it, the Eric Spolstra and, and uh, Jimmy Butler spat. They can say whatever they want, okay? Yes, some of that stuff does happen all the time, and it probably happens more than fans realize, right? Like, that stuff happens all the time in practice, beyond closed doors and meetings and all that stuff. People disagree all the time. That's what sports is when you're competitive, especially when you're getting your butt whipped uh, by, a, by a Golden State Warriors team at home. You want to be, be better than what you are. A depleted Warriors how did they, team well. How did they follow that up, Scott? They lost to the Knicks, and they got blown out by the Brooklyn Nets. That's all I need to see. That's how you respond to adversity. Adversity is going to hit in the postseason. There's no question about it. No team goes with wins a championship without seeing some adversity. So you have to be able to respond to that. When you get punched in the playoffs, it's all about how you punch back, right? Like we, we talked about the Bucks learning that, right? The, the, the first two playoff runs, they lost to the Raptors because they could not punch back after Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors took control of that series. The, the, the season after that, the Heat went in there, punched them in the face. They, they weren't able to punch back. Then the Bucks learned, hey, Kevin Durant hits a big shot. The series wasn't over. Like it felt like after the the the, the you know the Nets went up three two, it felt like oh, Kevin Durant had the greatest playoff game that we've ever seen in the last twenty years, and all this other stuff. Everyone was talking about it. What the Bucks do? They they learned how to punch back, and then they went into Barclays Center and win Game Seven and 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 gave the punch. Right, you have to learn how to punch back, and you cannot lose. After you have that verbal spat, like that's supposed to bring you guys together. And it feels like it has not done that for the Miami Heat. Their only win since then is against the Sacramento Kings. And while it was a blowout win, guess what? It's against the Sacramento Kings. They have three games coming up at Boston, at Chicago, at Toronto. Guess what's probably going to happen in all those three games? And that last one that I mentioned is going to be a big game for Kyle Lowry because that's his return game. Mm-hmm. He's been waiting for this. They, 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 they kind of... Uh, delayed this return. It's going to be very emotional for him. The crowd is going to be fired up. They want to win that game for Kyle Lowry. He doesn't want to leave that building with an L. And if they lose that game, uh, they might not make it out of the first round. That's what I'm saying about this this Miami Heat team. They they need they need to get it together with a couple games left here before the end of the playoff before the playoffs start rather. And, and and prove not only to us but to themselves that they can fight back when adversity hits. I think those are all really fair points. Um, I, I also think it's easy for people to say like this stuff does happen behind closed doors every single day, but I really don't remember the last, I don't really remember ever seeing, seeing a head coach react like Spolstra did um, to Jimmy Butler. Like that was just such a weird situation for me. Like again, like I, defensively, I think this team is elite. Like I, I think that they're, they're built to stop anyone and everyone. Ben Matabayo is in the conversation for best defensive player in the league. For me, what he does, being able to switch every single position off of some rim protection, um, there's not really anyone quite like him. Maybe Draymond Green, Giannis. Um, he's like in that kind of conversation. Jimmy Butler, we've seen what he's capable of doing. I do worry about him offensively. Um, his, his jump shot's fallen off a cliff, and this isn't a team that, outside of like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry can shoot. But like Bam Adebayo isn't a big time shooter. PJ Tucker is a limited shooter. Um, if they have three guys on the court who teams aren't really scared of um, shooting wise, I think they could run into some issues, especially in the half court. So I, I, I definitely have con- concerns of this team, and that's not even touching some of the chemistry stuff that you kind of detailed, which I think is all really fair. Um, at the end of the day, defense—you know—the defense wins championships. I, I trust Eric Spolstra. Um, I, 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 I just I have a hard time kind of counting this team out right now with the playoffs around the corner. But absolutely, I mean, the timing of this kind of blow up is is not ideal. I'm 110 percent out. 
I, they, I I just can't see them get into the NBA Finals with this going on around the team. And the way that they respond is weird. I'm 110% out. Uh, all right. Uh, who do you have coming out of the Eastern Conference then? Uh, if you were to say right now, as things land, and we've gone this long without talking about the Celtics and the huge injury to, to Robert Williams um, with the meniscus, meniscus tear, who knows how long he'll be out, but chances are he probably misses a good chunk of the playoffs, even if he plays this season at all. Um, that changes everything, I think, in the Eastern Conference. It, it cracks it wide open because I think most people would have had the Celtics pegged at least to get to the finals um, just based off the way they were playing. Who do you have today knowing the information you have right now? So I have my updated Eastern Conference tiers coming out on Thursday. Um, so so spoiler alert here. I, I had the Bucks and the Celtics in tier one, just them two, before the Robert Williams injury. I think like you, that Williams injury changes everything for the Celtics, unfortunately. Um, Williams is in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. He's going to be in the conversation, obviously, for all defense. What he does for the back line of their defense, um, midway through the season, they switched him off to kind of guarding centers, to guarding the, the opposing team's least threatening scorer, to allow him to basically roam the baseline even more. And, you know, you watch a Celtics game for five minutes, you can tell he's one of the best rim protectors in the league. Um, but he's up there in blocks this season. When you look at the rim protection numbers, I mean, they, they scream, this guy, nothing comes easy against him. So not having him is a huge loss for them. I think that does drop them down to the other tier. So for me, I kind of just have the Celtics, uh, sorry, the, the Bucks in a tier by themselves right now. I, I, I still have some questions with them, but... We've talked about Giannis at the top of this uh, this podcast. He's arguably the best player in the world. He's been having a fantastic season. Um, I, I think like he has a real chance to win MVP. Um, it, it does feel like everyone's kind of just talking about Jokic and Embiid. I think Giannis sure. is absolutely in that conversation to potentially win it. He, he might be the defensive player of the year as well. Drew Holiday is better than he was last season. Chris Middleton had a bit of an up and down start. Um, he's kind of peaking at the right time. And I just think like the the, the chemistry between the three of them um that, that it looks so easy for them when they're on the court and it feels like they kind of know what to do um with each other and how to play off of each other even more so than last season and the fact that brooke lopez is back i know you like to to joke with me um that i kind of overstate his value on this team i i think he's tremendously valuable to them especially defensively um being able to do the rim protection stuff that he does and take that load off of Giannis, who's had to play a lot more center in his absence this season I think that's huge. So I, I just generally have the fewest questions, I think, about the Bucks, and I'm probably giving them a bump um, just because they're the defending champs. But I, I, I think they're kind of in a tier by themselves right now. And then that leaves kind of the Heat, the Sixers, the, and the Celtics, and, and even probably the Nets for me, uh, kind of as like teams I wouldn't be shocked if they made the finals. But I, I just I have at least one big question mark. I still have the Celtics in tier one. Um, okay. I, I agree with you. I, I, if right now today, I think the Milwaukee Bucks make it to the finals again, um, You know, the, regardless of how the seeds match up, I just think they're the better team. Uh, and, and it's going to be tough beating them seven times. or Sorry, four times out of seven. I think the Celtics are still there. Um, and I, there's just something happening with this Boston team. Watching the Raptors game where they had no one playing, right? Like they had absolutely no one playing. I'm sitting there watching game with players on the court next to Marcus Smart, and I'm Googling who the heck this guy is because I had never <laughs> seen him before. And they gave the Raptors all they wanted. And this is the fully healthy Raptors, right? Like this, I know Van Vliet doesn't look the same right now. He's a little bit injured. And I, I know that uh, Gary Trent's dealing with a toe injury and, and, and OG Ananobi has a, a finger issue. 
But guess what? They were all in uniform, and this is a fully healthy Raptor team that needed overtime and some luck to get past the Boston Celtics. Raptor fans will say, hey, well, this, the Raptors are playing against the Celtics and also the officials. Guess what? You, you still have to go out there and beat them. That doesn't account for all the offensive rebounds that this team was able to pull down, the Celtics, that is, and, and, and really scrap. Um, this is a scrappy team, and they believe in they believe in their system. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and what you need to win uh, an NBA title. And most people will say, hey, you know, the regular season doesn't matter anymore. But this is why the regular season matters, Scott. When push comes to shove and you're exhausted in the playoffs, you need habits to fall back on. And you cannot build those habits without a great regular season. That's why the regular season's in place. So you can build habits, winning habits, and, and, and lean on them when the going gets tough. And this Boston Celtics team has spent the last close to 82 games building these habits so that when the playoffs come, they could fall back on them. But when the shot's not there and everything else, and you could talk about the, the you know Robert Williams not being there, their defense didn't really fall off last night with all their players uh, out of the lineup. They still competed you know, their butts off against a Raptor team that could put up numbers when, when they're when they're going. Siakam had 40 points and, and they, they just scraped by, you know, the Boston Celtics. They had to they had to really claw for that victory. And that's the system that's in place put in by Ime Udoka. I know he's not going to win coach of the year, but he definitely should finish second uh, behind Taylor Jenkins in 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 uh, in, in Memphis. Um, and I, I just think that, you know, obviously they're going to miss Rob Williams. They should they, they'd probably be a championship contender with him. But I do think that they still are in that tier with Milwaukee based off of their system, based off the fact that Jason Tatum's a great player and they have a great Robin and, and Jalen Brown um, to figure things out. They, they seem more together than they have, um, you know, in, in any time we've seen this team. They, they seem like they're all on the same page, and that's not just Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's all on, on the way down to the 10th and 11th player on the roster. Uh, so I do have them in the, t- in the first tier. Uh, I would put the Sixers and the Heat in another tier with the Nets. Um, I, I would be afraid of the Nets, of course. You know, Cam- mm-hmm. Anytime you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving uh, and a chip on their shoulder, um, with with the chance for them to you know really make history, winning the title or 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 yeah, winning the title as an eighth seed. I know getting the finals isn't crazy as an eighth seed because we've seen it before in shortened NBA seasons. But you know, winning the title as an eighth seed would be insane. Uh, and if there's a team that's talented enough to do it, it's the Brooklyn Nets. So wouldn't shock me. I have the Bulls, Raptors, and Cavaliers, and everyone else in the same tier after that. I I, I have no respect for the Bulls. I I just don't. I, 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 <laughs> you I have no since respect the start of the season. Yeah, I have no respect for the Chicago Bulls. I, I think they're a great story. Uh, I, I just think that they have – I don't know what their identity is, Scott. Like, when you watch them play, what what is the one thing that you can say about this team that you can count on beyond a, a DeMar Rosen mid-range jump shot? Like, I, I don't know what their go-to is when the going gets tough outside of a DeMar Rosen mid-range jump shot, and that is not enough for me. The The tough thing for them is they just haven't been healthy. Like, DeMar DeRozan had to carry that team for a long time because Lonzo Ball, who was still out, you know, was sidelined. Alex Caruso. I mean, th- we were concerned about this team defensively coming into the season. And they had a stretch at the start where they were performing at a top 10 level. And maybe that, that wouldn't be sustainable all season long, even if those guys had been healthy. Um, but Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball were instrumental to how that their start um, their hot start at the start of the season. So I think that plays a large role in it. I still think even if they were full strength, that have them below these teams. Um, we, we've talked about it before, but, you know, Zach Levine's never been to the playoffs before, so we kind of want to see that. Um, DeMar DeRozan has never really... It, it doesn't feel like he's really ever elevated his game to another level in the playoffs. And if he's the best player on this team, I think that's, you know, a big question mark. Um, 
By the way, how dare you disrespect Monty Williams for, for Coach of the Year? Um, he's number one for me right now. Coach of the Year is actually a pretty interesting debate this year because it does feel like there are so many candidates. It's almost like MVP where there's like, we could go eight deep um, and probably debate about the top three, depending on who you talk to. But I, I still think Monty Williams, what he's done with that team, deserves to be Coach of the Year. And, and one last thing on the Celtics, um, NBA.com's John Schumann, um, he, he does his power rankings every single week. He shared his notebook the other day. And um, he, he tweeted today that in losing to the Raptors, the Celtics are now 12 and 20 in clutch games this season compared to 35 and nine otherwise. And that 35 and nine is the best in the league. And that win differential that, that between the you know, clutch games and not clutch games is the third biggest of the last 26 years. Um, this team, we, you, you kind of mentioned it when we went through the teams that we're, we're confused by and all that that the Celtics need to prove that they can win clutch games. And I think some of that is weighted because they did get off to such a slow start this season and they haven't actually had that many clutch games when they've been playing well over the last couple of months because they've been blowing absolutely everyone out. But uh, Tatum's really struggled in the clutch this season and we know what happens in the playoffs. Games slow down. There's closer games. A possession or two can completely shift the course of a series. And if this Celtics team is going to make a run, they obviously have to be much better in the clutch than they have been um, so far this regular season. Yeah, I, I, they do have to be better offensively. I do f- have more faith on them defensively, though, to oh, stop teams in the clutch uh, than I did earlier this year when they are, were struggling to get the job done. Uh, all right, we, we've uh, exhausted all our topics, Scott, but mm-hmm. uh, plenty more topics to talk about as we close in on the playoffs. The last day of the NBA regular season is April 10th, folks. April 10th. We are less than two weeks away from the end of the NBA season. That's in, that's insane it's crazy. Uh, to say out loud. But uh, we're closing on the end of the NBA season. We'll keep it, lo- keep it locked here. We'll, we'll keep you up to rest with everything going on in the National Basketball Association. The playoffs, best time of the year without question. Uh, if you missed any part of the podcast live, you can catch it wherever you get your podcasts. Just type in NBA Sound System. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. We will see you right here next week across the NBA Global Network's on NBA Sound System.